for whatever time you're listening to this podcast, I'd just like to say good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Before we get started, I'd like to share with you these words by Maya Angelou. Words mean more than what is set down on paper. It takes a human voice to infuse them with a deeper meaning. With that being said, I bring to you greetings from South Carolina, the home of such black icons as Majeska Simpkins, Robert Smalls, James Brown, and the Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman. I'm your host, Michael Bailey, the founder of the Minority Eye News blog and the Minority Voice podcast. I strive to be a vigilant voice for minority communities everywhere. I'd like to welcome you to this episode of the Minority Voice, a podcast where there's no politically correct sound bites, no partisan propaganda, and most importantly, no corny celebrity gossip. Just real conversations with real people about real issues that matter to minorities and minority communities here at home and abroad. We give you, our listener, the opportunity to hear the minority perspective on breaking news, upcoming events, hot button issues, and people who are making headlines and news today. All that and more in our own words, in our own voice. As the protege of a Southern Baptist preacher, I say to you what was said to me on a many a Sundays. I promise you I won't be before you long. Once again, I'm your host, Michael Bailey, and I'll do my best to keep it real, relevant, righteous, and radical. This is the Minority Voice Podcast. Okay, uh, Kevin and Sean, are you guys on the line with me today? Yes, we are. We're here. All right, man. Thank you, fellas, for joining me tonight for this podcast. Um, very interesting topic we're going to be discussing tonight. Um, I want to get started with you first. Uh, Kevin, would you tell me a little bit about the organization you operate here in Columbia? Yes. Well, thank you again, Michael, for having us on the um, podcast here tonight. Um, I am Kevin Wimberly, yeah, president, CEO, and co-founder of SCF Left Community Outreach. Um, we are a nonprofit community development corporation with a focus on um, affordable housing uh, in the uh, distressed areas. Um, and one of the things that my wife and I founded the organization in 2008, uh, our original focus was trying to provide housing opportunities and creating home ownership opportunities for individuals that were not quite ready to become um, homeowners. Um, our goal was to allow individuals to be able to purchase homes from us. Um, and as they were purchasing, um, I should say renting homes from us, but as they were renting, they were preparing to become homeowners. And by that, the rental uh, income that they were providing us would go toward um, down payment, closing calls, things of that nature, too, and also budgeting and credit um, improvement. Um, and not knowing anything about the nonprofit sector, you know, we were doing this more on the investment side. Um, and once the person was able to uh, be able to qualify to become a home buyer, they would have money because the rental income that we were receiving, portion of that would have gone towards savings. Um, and again, they would have the money to purchase um, and put down on the home. Um, and again, not knowing anything about nonprofits, our goal was to, for them to be able to buy the home they were in or be able to uh, find the home that they were that they could afford uh, and be able to, you know, start that American dream of purchasing their, their first home. Uh, and we 
talked uh, to several individuals about, you know, how to do that uh, and actually talked with um, uh, my wife's uh, cousin. Um, and he recommended, you know, we talked to actually uh, at time Representative um, Joe Neal uh, and being able to create what we wanted to do was create a, he called it a chota. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, didn't know anything about nonprofits and what that meant. He uh, advised us to talk to a few people uh, and going the nonprofit route. And we had the pleasure of talking to Ms. Glennis Pearson, who is, I call, the guru of uh, the nonprofit sector uh, in the state. She wrote the handbook um, for the um, nonprofits and how to create nonprofits. And she told us, you know, pretty much what we needed to do and to be able to set up uh, the nonprofit outlet or organization. And ever since then, uh, we were able to do that. We uh, created it uh, and became in existence, like I said, in 2008, but full-time operations in 2010. And, you know, she also said it could be a vehicle to really address other issues outside of of, of house uh, and working and really being a resource and a catalyst for areas that we work in. Um, so in 2010, I, uh, I was actually employed with Blue Cross Blue Shield, had been in middle management for about seven years, and my wife, uh, Tammy, still maintained her position. But we talked about it and discussed and uh, knew that in order to make the significant change, we wanted to move into uh, creating uh, the nonprofit and making a full operation. So we were able to do that. We were became actually a CHOTO with Richland County Community Development, uh, in which we were able to, they were looking in areas. Um, they have, uh, at the time, they had several areas, master plan areas, as well as revitalization areas. Um, and we work in the Ridgewood neighborhood, which is where our office is currently no, uh, located. And we're able to actually acquire our first property there. Uh, and these were funds provided by Richmond County, um, in which we were able to find an abandoned home. And I call it our version of the screen makeover. Okay. Uh, as we, it was a boarded up two-bedroom home. Uh, and it was something that we renovated. And it was able to, now we're providing housing for, um, it was actually a single mother there at the time. Um, And again, that was 10 years ago. And since that time, we've been able to work in other master plan areas and receive funding by way of uh, Richland County to acquire seven other homes and uh, for renovation and one new construction home as well that we recently completed. Okay, can you um, also explain uh, for the listeners what when you say master plan area, can you tell us what that is? What do you mean by that? Yes, um, these are areas that are designated by the county uh, in their districts. There's 11 districts within the county, uh, and each um, uh, council person uh, will get pretty much decide if there are certain communities within their um jurisdiction uh, that they will focus on uh, providing changes on whatever those communities are looking to improve upon. It could be housing, it could be um, actually signage, could be the ability to make it more livable uh, with uh, certain features within the community, access to to park, things of that nature. Uh, And so the counties will have works through their planning department will have what they call charrette where they would get feedback 
on um, where they would hire consultants who would come in and provide uh, community meetings and get community input and do surveys, um, have focus groups, talk about what are some of the needs that um, the community wants to see addressed. Um, and so they will put that together and put a plan together. Um, and so there's several, like I said, plans. Um, we have the Woodfield Park community, which is off Decker Boulevard. We have the Turner Makers Newcastle community um, that has, you know, those master plans. Um, and so we can focus when the county releases to their community development department, releases funding, they would like for us to focus on those particular master plan areas to address some of the housing needs. So be low housing start, stop um, to addressing abandoned housing or to be doing infill housing, which would be doing new construction within those areas that they are, they're trying to um, uh, improve upon. Okay. So it's pretty much, and we come in and, you know, we work with the community. We serve as a, as I like I said, we try to be a catalyst and be a resource um, and, and provide resources that ultimately, as a nonprofit, that the community can't get access to to be able to improve upon that. Okay. Um, now, you've been partnering with uh, Dr. Sean on a couple of things. Uh, Dr. Sean, would you uh, introduce yourself uh, to the listeners? Yes, thank you again, like I said, for including us and inviting me out to participate in this conversation, which I think is a very important one. My name is Dr. Sean Owens. I'm a certified Asian and place specialist, a health scientist, and I'm also the uh, CEO of Sweet 65 LLC, and that's S-U-I-T-E 65. And basically what we are are consultants on homes. Um, and we work with individuals and organizations also to make sure that they're including the right, I guess, structural changes to their home. So renovating the home in order to make allow it to accommodate an older individual and also helping these individuals or, or, or organizations select which technology that they should include, or we call them smart features in the home. So it's been an absolute pleasure to have the opportunity to work with SC Uplift on some projects that we'll discuss later in this, you know, probably mention later in this conversation. Okay, Dr. Sean, I'm going to make, I, I got to go back to that introduction. Now you got to explain what health, first of all, let's go, what health science, because you say that's a doctor. So <laughs> explain to me health science. Okay. So a health scientist. So basically what that means is, is that I do research in the, in the aging space. Um, so I, I am able to not only recommend what is installed in your home, uh, I am also capable of evaluating the performance of that technology in your home, meaning basically I can, I can measure whether or not it's working for you basically at the end of the day. And that's what takes it a step further than maybe most contractors that work with individuals. So uh, my research is also informing what things that I recommend. I'm not just going into uh, various homes, just, you know, willy-nilly looking through a catalog. I'm also keeping an eye on peer-reviewed uh, journals, and I'm also doing research of my own that's really been uh, tremendously informative for me and what I recommend uh, to these organizations or to these individuals. 
Okay. Um, and I, w- I want to go back to uh, Kevin for a second. Um, I want to, mm-hmm. uh, I'd be remiss if I don't speak about when you, when you talk about helping people uh, stay in their home, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts because you're in the community of what's going now during the pandemic. Um, a lot of people were out of work. And, and so now coming toward the end of the year, they're going to start facing evictions. Um, so is your organization doing anything in that area? Well, um, we're a, we could be a referral source. Okay. Um, I will tell you that there was a program uh, back when, back in 2010, 2011, when we had the economic recession and South Carolina was considered one of the hardest hit uh, states. And so uh, there was funding that was provided for individuals that uh, were facing foreclosure. Okay. Um, and we were actually doing the intake uh, and providing, um, uh, they could present, submit information to us for if they encountered some type of hardship. Uh, and it was the South Carolina State Housing Finance Development Authority was providing funding at that time um, through the Department of Treasury. It was called the Hardest Hit Fund um, and the SD Help Program. Um, and there has been talks of possibly uh, bringing that program back. Um, unfortunately, that um, is, is nothing that has taken place as of yet. But from my understanding, there is um, hopefully it could be something that is a tool, a mechanism that was instrument that was provided at that time so you might say the infrastructure is there um so it ended back in 2017 2016 2017 so it's something that could possibly be utilized once again and it could assist individuals as as long as they can prove their hardship then they are uh able to possibly get assistance um there is some rental assistance available uh, through the South Carolina State Housing Finance Development Authority's um, program as well. I think they have some funding, so we can just direct them to, you know, that uh, agency for possible assistance. Okay. All right. That's cool to know. I just wanted to make sure we touched on that because it's, it's a lot of people, especially in the Columbia area, that I, I know are more than likely going to be hurting. Um, and it's nice to know what, where, where there are resources at in the community or people that can point you in the direction of resources. Um, Correct. Right. Um, So that, uh, thanks for that. Want to talk about what we're here to talk about tonight. During, during the process of preparing for this uh, interview, I had my researchers, uh, you know, look up because the term universal design was a term I've never heard of. It sounds cool, but I'm like, okay, what is that? (laughs) But Doing, doing that research process, um, we came across a, a lady by the name of Dr. Rosemarie uh, Rossetti, and I hope I'm saying her name right. Dr. Sean, do you know you know who I'm talking about? Did I say the name right? Rosemary. I do not know her, but it sounds like you have pronounced it correctly. <laughs> well, <laughs> she's a, she's a renowned, uh, internationally known motivational speaker. She gives a talk that she's most known for obtaining the competitive, uh, obtaining a competitive advantage by managing, embracing change. And what what happened to her is while out on a bike ride, her and her, her husband lived in Ohio. Um, and they, you know, went through the trail, uh, was in a wooded area, a bike trail, 
and a tree fell on her. And when that tree fell on it, it cracked several of our vertebrae. And of course she was paralyzed because of that incident or that accident. She had to rethink her whole life and business. Um, one of the things she did, her husband was a contractor. And one of the things they did was they went in and they built a new home because the old home had upstairs, downstairs, you know, it just was not um, accessible to somebody in a wheelchair. And they thought long and hard about what the design would be to accommodate her. And she did not want a house that was specifically made for a handicapped person. She wanted a normal, she wanted the house to look normal. So her and her husband went and they hired contractors and, you know, they looked at it and they poured over. It took them three years to build this house. But what they have now is a house that they call the Universal Design Laboratory. And it is studied across the country as the premier universal design home. And she goes across the country and gives a lot and gives talks about her about the incident and and being able to find new purpose in your life. And her book is Take Back Your Life, Regaining Your Footing After Life th- Throws You a Curve. And she um awesome speaker, awesome speaker, but she talks a lot. Uh, and of course, she's a consultant and consults with builders and contractors and architects about creating uh, public spaces that have universal design. And and so that's to give uh, you guys out there that may be listening some context of what we're going to be talking about here tonight. Um, so with that being said, Sean. Uh, I don't have Dr. Uh, Rosetta here, but I got you. <laughs> I got you. And I, I've met you, and I think you can handle it. Um, so give us a little bit more about what universal design is and what is meant when you say age in place. Okay. I can give you a little bit more, and I, if Dr. Rosetti is listening, uh, I do apologize. I am very familiar with her house okay. and who she is, but not much. I didn't know she was PhD trained. But in uh, in any case, uh, universal design is basically building a home and thinking about what your life will look like. Because I know a lot of us, you know, uh, you know, like Kevin is probably big time, and he's probably going to move in this you know, mansion in a few years, hopefully, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, who are our parents age in any case, uh, still have the homes that we grew up in, you know, as children, they've, they've essentially stayed in these homes. Uh, and some people would like to continue to live in these homes, but there are things that, uh, structurally that won't allow a person or enable them to live comfortably uh, in a home as they age, because as you age, you know, you start to lose, you know, um, things like dexterity in your, you know, hands and, and, and you lose, and your hearing is not as well as it used to be, or your visibility, your vision is not as good as it used to be. So for, so for folks with, you know, homes that are multi-level, uh, for homes that, you know, have bathrooms that may not be, you know, as accessible, meaning that they can't enter and exit the tub as they used to. All of these things um, pose barriers to a person being able to remain in this home comfortably so that they're able to, you know, 
complete what we call uh, activities of daily living, things like toileting, you know, transferring, bathing, those things. Uh, if you cannot any longer do those things on your own, this is what pushes you into uh, something like maybe assisted living. So universal design is really almost common sense concepts that you can implement in a home uh, and they're for everybody. They're not just for the handicapped. Um, they're things, you know, that we can all use that can make our lives easier because admittedly, like we're one step away from maybe an injury or maybe breaking a leg. And then all of a sudden, those features that we once thought were, oh, those are only for people who were disabled, uh, now benefit you as well. So the whole concept with universal design is, how can we build homes in a way that can accommodate you regardless of, you know, your walk of life or your ability? Um, and it seems like we should all embrace that vision. And but believe it or not, like a lot of folks just aren't familiar with the concept of universal design, which, again, means designing a home so that it is accessible. So whether it's you know, you're the person that has a lower ability in a certain area or for someone else who's even visiting you, uh, why not build a home that can accommodate you regardless of your walk of life? So that, that just captures in a nutshell what the universal design is. And of course, that's at a very uh, simplistic level, but is universal design, a feature, for example, could be a zero-step entry uh, so that if you are in a wheelchair, for example, you're not having to struggle to get in and out of your home. And that's just one example of a universal design, very simple concept, uh, very simple concept. But when you talk about aging in place, so aging in place is really defined again as the ability for a person to live in their own home and their community safely, independently, and comfortably. So regardless of what your age is, regardless of what your income is, regardless of what your ability level is. So aging in place, uh, so universal design is actually a response to aging in place. Universal design enables a person, regardless of these, these uh, characteristics that I just named, so they can remain in their home comfortably. Okay. Uh, all right. I, I totally understand it. Uh, Kevin, give me, um, tell me a little bit of how you got with Dr. Sean, your nonprofit. Tell me how you made this uh, community business marriage work. Okay. Well, actually it was through a colleague of uh, Sean and ours. I was working with her. Uh, she's an associate professor there at, um, uh, USC and uh, and she thought she knew the work that we were doing um, in reference to providing housing, uh, affordable housing to older moderate income families. And one of the particular programs that we focus on is um, unoccupied rehab. And so a lot of individuals that meet this requirement, and as Sean was just discussing, you know, as our parents, older people who have bought their homes and plan to live there. Uh, this program allows for individuals who need uh, major repairs to their home um, or essential important repairs to the home, such as a roof, heating and air unit, 
electrical, flooring, plumbing, things of that nature, windows that they, based on their income, they just don't have the ability to make those repairs. So through the Housing Trust Fund program, we're able to assist those individuals. Currently, there's the emergency repair program, which is up to $10,000, and the owner-occupied rehab program, which is up to $20,000, excuse me, $25,000. And so we're able to actually come in and do those repairs at no cost to the homeowner. The only requirement is one that uh, a couple of apartments, they be owner of the property, and then again, it's based on their income. So someone, a uh, household of, um, say, two people, uh, say, here in Columbia, would be right around twenty, twenty-five, $26,000, uh, for example, and for, for the year. Okay. So they will contact us, and we're able to go and do those repairs. Um, again, at no cost to them. One of the challenges that we were facing is, even at up to the max of $25,000, you know, sometimes it was just putting, um, you know, a Band-Aid on the situation. Uh, and I've actually had individuals tell me if I could actually be able to, you know, get move out of this home and move into something because they're not able because they're older, because um, a lot of the individuals are actually on fixed income, um, older adults, uh, that they would, uh, be able, they would be willing to downsize. Uh, and we had the opportunity when I was telling, uh, the colleague, uh, Sudi that, you know, what I was doing, she was saying, I have a gentleman right now who's, um, looking into that, that concept and, uh, and having a, they have a lab, uh, and looking to address, you know, housing for older adults. So I, uh, she connected Sean and I, uh, we were, you know, we were talking and we just had uh, injured spirit and it just seemed things were coming together. It's what, been about what, four years now, Sean? Maybe almost yeah, about five. Yep, exactly. Years. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and we, you know, we had a, a, a vision. He was, you know, explaining just about age-friendly and um, universal design concepts uh, and not to mention even some of our rental housing and some of the requirements to HUD, they do require you to make housing accessible, but to the extent that uh, Sean was talking about, you know, we didn't have that. Uh, we were doing certain things. So we were trying to see, well, what could we do, um, especially and with our the demographics that we serve, that we could do that would be affordable and attainable and sustainable for someone to be able to, be able to uh, live and either renovate or build. So uh, we just formed a partnership uh, and talked about, you know, what we would be able to do. And as a nonprofit, again, the resources that we have, we actually go after funding to be able to develop a project following this concept. Um, and a lot of it has been more so uh, of the mindset of being able to submit a proposal um, to be able to make it happen. Um, and I said, we've been talking about this for, for you know, it was four years, so probably about the about two and a half year point, measure point, uh, the county did grant us funding. Um, we described, you know, what we were proposing to do. Uh, we submitted two proposals. Um, and I should say one proposal with two projects. One, we were asking for a renovation, and then the other was a new construction uh, following the universal design concept. Uh, they went for the renovation 
project. Um, they didn't fund it for the new construction. Okay. So what we said we would do was we would utilize the funding that we got to, to show them because seeing is believing. So uh, we were able to, to do that. So with um, Sean's expertise in universal design, uh, we uh, worked together as a team along with uh, my construction manager and put a, um, a scope of work together uh, and followed that. And um, we had the ribbon cutting. This was uh, in 20, 2018. So it's in the 2018 where we were able to do pretty much a renovation of a project. And again, had, had you seen it, you pretty much think it's a, it was a new construction project. Um, and we were able to incorporate follow the guidelines and design. Um, and now a, a older uh, single um, female is staying in that home. We're renting that out. So it was a great partnership, and we actually had a ribbon-cutting ceremony for people to actually see it. Uh, and our partners um, with Sean and as well as uh, Prison Health was on board. We actually provided some telehealth services. Um, so that was a big help, along with AARP, um, their support. So having those partners and including Richmond County, it, it was um, a, a grandiose occasion, as I would say, as you had the community within the new, Newcastle, Trinum Acres community. They came out um, and was able to see it, and people understood the concept. Um, and when we talked about it, and like I said, it was nothing um, that had, you know, uh, bells and whistles. It was just common uh, designs and common features that we were able to be able to showcase, and uh, definitely something that we think can, can be continued, and, and and we'll look forward to continuing to do. Okay, uh, Doctor Sean. Um, tell me, how long has uh, universal design been a, a studied or specific co- uh, concept? When did it start, or, or, or was it always here? Um, universal design is actually nothing new, and that's the surprising. Okay. Uh, you can go back, you know, 20 to 30 years or so to see sort of the emergence of this, you know, this concept of universal design, but it's almost like when you speak with people, it's almost like they've never heard of it before. But when you start to talk about exactly what changes or what alterations you need to make in your home or how can you build it from its inception uh, to this certain specificity, whether it be again, accessible, accessible uh, doorways, widening of doorways. Then people say, oh, yeah, we, we know about that part. Yeah, yeah, we understand. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of different terminology out there uh, for universal design. Like some people will feel like, okay, well, if I widen the doorway, that's actually ADA compliance. But I think universal design goes a step further. It encompasses ADA compliance and it adds additional features that, may not be in your normal uh, ADA inspection, put it that way. Okay. All right. Um, Kevin, tell me a little bit about now when uh, when I was doing the research and uh, we was looking at uh, Dr. Rossetti's uh, home, like I said, uh, of course, you can kind of tell that they, they already had means. So it took them three years and, you know, they was having conversation with interior designers. So back to affordable housing, if there is people in the community that are are looking to move into age uh, in place homes with um, universal design, how affordable is that? Uh, I think it's uh, very affordable 
um, provided, you know, the individuals who are building. Um, and again, it's not where you're providing, you know, I would say bells and whistles, but the practical, and that's where the ability for someone like um, with Sean's designation that has the certified agent in place comes in and works with a builder or developer and we can meet the needs of someone uh, and they're, you know, based on the income to see what it is that we could, you know, be able to provide for them. So providing that affordability because right now, say, for example, we're renting a rental for that property is at 550 a month for two bedrooms one bath house, okay. you know, uh, and what does rent go for on the market pretty much for a two bedroom in Columbia. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but you probably maybe talking two bedroom, maybe eight, maybe sometimes $900, but we're talking about affordable at 550. So, you know, I think that that is um, very affordable and attainable. Um, Cause one of the things we're actually providing too, uh, we're covering uh, paying for, you know, the um, internet and security services for that person. All right. Um, so, uh, Kevin, tell me, do you guys have anything, any current homes in the area that you're working uh, on? Well, um, we just finished the our new construction of a home that actually met the uh, goal certification and uh, which Sean was able to certify through the local home builders association um, through a universal design coalition. We followed those guidelines and this again was funding that we received. It's actually a home ownership um, project. So we're working with individuals or someone that uh, is looking to purchase a home that is anywhere between households, depending on households, but around 40 thousand um, dollars $42,000 additional county it's a two bedroom one bath um, that would be looking to, to buy the home because uh, these were HUD funds that we received by way of Richland County um, that they could purchase the home is for sale for one oh nine nine at this time again I think it's an affordable affordable home um, with the features again gold certified so having that uh, that being able to showcase that uh, and knowing that the ability for someone to buy it as well as for the home, the potential buyer to have access to down payment up to $10,000 by way of Richland County um, too. So there's, there's a lot of um, perks into being able to buy this home. So uh, we do have one and I you know, would love to be able to, for someone to be able to get that. Okay. Um, all right. We definitely have to come and check that out. Um, Dr. Sean, tell me, what are some of the things um, that when you go into a home and you're looking to certify it? Now, tell me how how mm-hmm. your services work, because what I'm asking is if if I suffered an injury, let's say a basketball injury, yeah. And I'm looking at um, equipping my house and, and, and knowing that my injury is only going to uh, get worse as I get older. Some of the things I need mm-hmm. to be looking at changing. Uh, can I call you and your company or can I call you when I get ready to build or purchase a new home? 
you can call me either way. Now, back to this question about the affordability. Okay. So I, I think you are right in that you're like, man, I, I can't really, you know, we, we know. I mean, it's not a secret that if you're going to get your home, uh, you know, your bathroom transformed so it's accessible. I mean, we're looking at 7K or more. So what, what Kevin yeah. and I are really promoting is, Call us when you get ready to build a home. And what okay. we hope to, to change is how people are building homes because the things that we are recommending on our universal design checklist are things that won't cost probably maybe a dime more per square foot. Oh, I see. The things that we're talking about. If you build it from inception, these things won't cost later. So it just makes sense, and it and it brings up the value for your home later, because it's no secret that South Carolina, I think now, is comprised of like, I think it's nine hundred and forty thousand people who are sixty five and older. Uh, I I believe we are also becoming a destination for retirement. We are as well. So why not build your house from the beginning in a way that will suit you or even someone else? Uh, to, to be better equipped to sell your home. But uh, but back to your question about when can you call me? You can call me either way. You can call me after the injury. I'll come in. Uh, I'll have a conversation with you and do a standard assessment to go through the things that you need. And based on your budget, I'll help you prioritize what it is that you need to get done today and what you can kind of wait on later. Uh, and I'll give you a range of things like, like, for example, if you needed to detect falls, we can go with a motion sensor that's, you know, pretty cheap. Or, you know, if you if you have a little bit more money, uh, I know uh, a, a German company that can put sensors in your floor to detect the fall. So, you know, it just it's just really based on your budget. And I really try to work with people to determine. What in what inclusions or what things do you feel like you need to live your best life? Um, so, and that can be in stages, and I need people to understand that you don't have to get your whole house uh, outfitted all at one time. We, I help you prioritize that. Now, if you are coming forward with a new build, that'll make it very easy for me to then come in and say, okay, let's make sure your home. Uh, has the highest universal design standard possible uh, because at the bottom, you heard Kevin mention gold, uh, gold certified or gold verified. So what I came in with on when I came in on Kevin's project, uh, I, I showed them a checklist, and in that checklist has the universal design requirements. But I also asked them other questions as well: Who will be the end buyer of this home? Who do you envision it going to? Is it a family? Is it an older adult? Does the older adult have any specific conditions, whether it be dementia, whether it be a heart disease, whatever it may be, because that may also um, indicate additional technologies or features that may be uh, they need beyond general requirements that's on this list. So at the bronze level, for example, I can come out and certify your by your home bronze level universal design if you just simply have an accessible entry to your home, meaning that you have a door wide enough so that's 32 inches to 36 inches. Most of us 
have at least that, but some don't. Uh, and you need an accessible bathroom on, on your on your first floor uh, that a person can roll in in a wheelchair. So that's your bronze level requirement. But as you move up to silver, then gold, there are a lot more items that we have on this checklist uh, that we use. Now, the assessment is different from the checklist, so I just want to dissociate those two things. So the, the assessment is what I do when I come in, uh, just in general. What are, what are your, you know, requirements? Uh, what, you know, things physically are you experiencing? Have you had an injury? And I'll consult on those things and give you, like, a report on what things I think you need, and these are things I think you need now versus later. But the checklist, but the uh, universal design checklist is when you're building a new home and I can certify you uh, as a universally designed home. But that mostly happens with the new builds, unless you want to renovate a lot of things in your home. Okay. All right. That, that, that helps. Thank you for that. And, and I just want to add that, you know, just listening to, uh, to you talk and then I, I, I thought about it and a lot of times we, you know, you know, we think, uh, you know, oh, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm strong. I'm healthy. I'm gonna be all right. You know, but we also got to think about family and friends because I, I, I can remember an incident when I stayed in my patio home, which is a little small two, you know, two bedroom, but we had a, a cookout for some of our friends and one of our friends brought a close friend of theirs and I knew him but he was in a wheelchair and when he got to the house, the wheelchair couldn't fit through the door. And it was a little, it wasn't a step, but it was a little, you know, step up. So the wheelchair was too mm-hmm. big to fit through the door and the guy was, you know, a good sized guy. So it wouldn't know, you know, we're not going to, you know, degrade him by picking him up and moving the chair. So, you know, he couldn't get in the house. So what we wind up doing is, you know, we kind of had to think quick and we say, you know what, we're going to move it outside to the back patio. Thankfully our patio area, it, it was, you know, you could roll up and it, it wasn't a step up or anything. It was mm-hmm. easier for him to get into the backyard and sit around. But, you know, it's just, you know, that experience for me was like, wow, you know what I'm saying? You know, that a lot of times we just think about ourselves and not really, Mm-hmm. thinking about family and friends and and so that you know the universal design concept is like you know make is just like you know a public you know public facilities everybody should be able to access them it should be accessible and and that's just something for us all to think about um I absolutely, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, a lot of times we don't think because, you know, we're young and healthy. Um, so, you know, we, we, or, or we don't have individuals who, you know, we know who may have certain, you know, maybe disabilities. So it's not until those moments that we realize how important it is. So we have to be very planned. Uh, I would say for everybody, you know, most of us probably on this call have, you know, older parents who are aging, we don't really know if those parents are going to have to come live with us at some point in time. Uh, we don't know, like I said, who we'll need to invite, you know, into our home. So we have to just start, just put this on our mind and start thinking about it uh, as we age, because time goes by pretty fast too. Oh, yeah. you, I mean, you know, once you get past, you know, 
3540 time is flying right. so 10 years will pass by so quickly so i think we need to be very purposeful with our thinking so when you uh so mike when you buy the next house <laughs> you know start start looking at these things because imagine that you're buying the home of your dreams but you're paying you know, three, four, five, six hundred thousand. Hopefully, you guys will be, you know, blessed to get to that point. Uh, but you pay all this money for this home only down the road to say, to call me and say, right. well, Sean, I think that, <laughs> man, none of this stuff is going to work. I need my doorways wide. I need, I can't, I can't take a bath. You know, and I'm like, man, you're in that big house and you can't really do anything because. You didn't think about these things at first, and that's why both Kevin and I truly support this concept of you know of building with universal design from the ground, the ground up, because there's no ex, uh, super extensive cost to add some of these things in your house. And, and we're talking about again, uh, you know, grab bar in your bathroom, right. or at least having two by fours in the wall so we're able to easily drill in and install uh, a grab bar, you know, later on. So you're able to get in and out of your bathtub or thinking about having a roll-in shower in your in at least one bathroom in your home. Um, most of us, I guess, I'm just speaking for the men now, for the callers, most of us take showers. We don't take baths anyway. So, right. okay, you have one, you have one roll-in shower on the first floor you have a second bathroom that, that that's not built that way. So you still have the experience of your tub. Okay. So, it, I mean, it, it's, it's very, like I said, minimal things that you need to include. Uh, the house that you spoke about with Dr. Rossetti, of course, is the ultimate universal design home. So they have everything you can possibly have in that home. But I'm just trying to get people to start at least with the basics. Right. including the basics in their home. Um, so that that's sort of my goal. Okay. Right. Uh, and I know one of the things, too, when I um, actually went right at the same time that I met Sean, just um, even when personally, uh, my um, father actually was, uh, his health was declining um, through because he had dementia, onset of dementia. Um, and he was, I'll be honest, still fairly young, uh, 62, 63, you know. Um, but the home, fortunately, my parents actually, because I grew up in, in North Carolina, but they're from um, Aiken County, and they actually had moved back here. They, you know, retired and moved back. And fortunately enough, the home that they built, I mean, or actually um, moved back to, it was already uh, functioning. Um, functional where because his onset, his like I said, his health was declining, um, and they actually had the security uh, with when they come in and in and out of the house, you know, the door alarm would go off time, um, the bathroom, the accessibility was there. So my mom didn't have to worry about that aspect of it. Um, but you know, but I but that still that had my mind thinking, you know. There are individuals who don't have that right. um, and that capability, um, and so I've, I've, you know, Sean had already had me sold on it, but just that simple fact. And I actually have my my grandmother, um, who actually is ninety six years old, 
um, is able to, she has a ramp at, at her home and she's able to maneuver and she's still able to uh, move around. But, at, you know, she's actually able to come over to my mom's house, my parents' house now, uh, and be able to get in and out. Um, so I think of, you know, my older uh, relatives and things and being able to see how convenient it is when you have these things already in place. And so, the, the but then again, you think about the challenges. I was thinking about, well, there are people that don't have it. So that's why I've, you know, pretty much we've been on board and working together to really try to change the mindsets of individuals and not really think about just self, but others right. outside of, of, of ourselves. Right. So, um, so definitely, I definitely have, have that personal, you know, testimony there that I know it, it is something that we need to be thinking about. And um, even read an article today um, that mentioned that by 2030, one in five people in the United States will be 65 and older. And then it's projected by 2034, older adults will outnumber children under 18 for the first time ever. So mm-hmm. you think about it, that's not long. Right. <laughs> so we, you know, we're we're having to change, and our housing stock isn't there to that point. So we're we're needing to be able to adjust and putting things in place um, now to be uh, sort of outside the box and trying to be um, proactive instead of reactive is, is the key now. Okay. Uh, and now, Kevin, um, before I let you go, I, anytime I bring nonprofit uh, directors on, uh, we talk a lot about what the nonprofit is doing, the advocacy work, and what you're doing out in the community. I always like to end with asking, what can the community do to help you guys as a nonprofit? How can we get involved with your work? Um. I would say as far as with us, um, you can actually go check us out on our um, website at www.scuplift.org, um, and you can see the work that we're involved with um, from a housing standpoint. Um, a lot of it is being able to understand uh, what affordability is um, and being able to be a, a backbone um, and support for organizations such as ours um, that can promote and advocate for sport like housing uh, and the importance of affordable housing is is a key um, as, and then you know if there's things that you may be interested in and um, even from economic development uh, and wanting to get involved with that uh, we you know we try to assist individuals that are looking for social uh, entrepreneurship. Um, we want to assist individuals with getting businesses and things off the ground and working in communities that are distressed and um, trying to, again, be that catalyst. So if you could look into our, look at our website and see what we're doing, uh, we would love to get your input. Um, and of course, donations, <laughs> we, we, you know, can, can help out tremendously because, you know, funding is, is short. <laughs> Every, you know, everybody needs it. Uh, but if we can just have a little support in that area too, that would be great. Kevin, what's your uh, address and the number that can reach you at? Um, our address, where actually can reach us at eight, uh, address is PO Box thirty seven twenty eight, Columbia, South Carolina two nine two three zero, 
and the number is 803-691-4742. All right, Kevin. Dr. Sean, uh, how can somebody reach you? Yeah, you can. Um, actually, there's a couple ways to reach me. So if you need, again, uh, some consultation on what changes that you need in your home to age in place, uh, or you're building a new home, either way, I'd love to uh, come out and help. Uh, you can reach me at area code 803-807-2875, 803-807-2875. And my website is sweet. That's S-U-I-T-E 65, sweet65.net. All right, Dr. Sean, Kevin, I'd like to thank both you gentlemen uh, for coming on the show tonight, and thank you for the work you're out there doing in the community. Thank you, again, sir. Thank you, Mike. We really appreciate the opportunity. All right, man, I got to have you guys on again. Please, we ready. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> All right, now, y'all, take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Minority Voice. For those of you who would like to be a part of our mission to start a courageous conversation that educates and empowers minority communities wherever they are, you can support us by subscribing to this podcast, sharing it with your friends on social media, or liking and commenting with your thoughts. And if you would like to advertise with us or be a guest, or perhaps you have an idea for a show, please email me at mb at theminorityout.com. Or call us at 803-567-5359. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's not when my voice is raised you should worry. It's when I have nothing more to say. Once again, I'm Michael Bailey. And this has been the Minority Voice Podcast.